guys to drop by. We're doomed. It's a trap. Can we get us out of here? We would be honored if you would join us. Charming to the last. This time you have gone too far. I got a bad feeling about this. Hello, what have we here? Red 5 standing by. This is our rescue. You must feel the force around you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a Jedi. Like my father before me. I like the sound of that. The force will be with you. Always. Welcome to Dead Boffin Spies, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and on this special celebration episode, I am pleased to welcome Ben Avery from the Comic Book Time Machine podcast. How are you, Ben? Good. How are you, Ryan? I'm very good. Thank you for being here. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Folks, uh, if you played this episode without reading what the title was for some reason, you might be wondering what makes this episode so special. The reason is Ben and I are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Star Wars Droids and Ewoks cartoon series. Yes, those shows premiered on September 7th, 1985. And 30 years later to the day, we honor them with a podcast. Are you ready for this, Ben? I'm ready. I'm ready. They deserve some honor. They let's, do. Let's They've been looked at with too much kind of like shame and, and... Yeah, maybe even a little bit of embarrassment, I think. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But before we do get into the cartoons, I know that you've covered some of the Marvel Star Wars comics from the 70s on Comic Book Time Machine, mm-hmm. and you volunteered to help me on this episode, so I'm assuming you're a Star Wars fan. How did this franchise come into your life? What was your first experience with Star Wars? Well, my first experience with Star Wars was the first Star Wars movie, and that was – I was three or four when I saw it in the theaters. Um, it, it was a little bit later for me because we were up in Canada, and mm-hmm. so we got some of the releases a little bit later – and that worked in my favor because it allowed me to be like four instead of three. But, you know, that was one of those early movies for me with with Superman the movie, the Muppet movie, and Star Wars that just kind of all three of those just really captured my imagination and just got me into, you know, sci-fi and, and, and superheroes and all that kind of thing. So with Star Wars, that first movie, I went and saw it. I had a lot of fun and then I started getting the action figures and, you know, got, I – watched the holiday special on TV. I remember watching it and it was great. It was wonderful. I was four, but it was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a new Star Wars story on TV. And uh, so, but that's how my fandom started with, with Star Wars was it really was my parents knew that I loved Super Friends and I loved, you know, those, I remember watching Tarzan movies on TV and, you know, they, they knew I was into that kind of thing as a really young kid and so my parents were like, yeah, well, let's, let's take him. His cousins liked it. <laughs> and, that, and the rest is, is history. I mean, then from there, it really did shape my creativity and shape my imagination, how I looked at, you know, science fiction and, and storytelling. And mm-hmm. until now, you know, what, 30 some years later, and, and uh, I'm a professional comic writer. I like, you know, I, I, I tell stories now. And a lot of that inspiration early on in my life came from, you know, Star Wars and, and Empire Strikes Back and the Star Wars comics and my little Star Wars record, you know, for my little tiny record player 
that was you know the size of a briefcase and uh, that kind of thing. So that's 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 really where my experience began was I got to be a part of that first round um, or second round if you're talking about a Canadian release or something. <laughs> well, I, I envy you. I mean, I do. If my memory isn't betraying me, and my memory certainly betrays me often enough, but if if this memory is true, the first movie that I saw in the theater was Return of the Jedi. Now, it would have been on a second or third release, because I think I didn't see it until like 85 or 86. But yeah, there was something... There's something cool about being able to say that you saw those original movies, even in my case, even just the last one, um, yeah. knowing that you, you were there for the first round. Putting this timeline back then, you would have been, I'm assuming, like around 11 or 12 when the cartoons came out, when droids and, uh, and Ewoks 10. came out? 10? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I would have – my birthday is in October, and okay. so I would have been just about to turn 11. Yeah. Okay. So did you watch them then? Were, did you watch I did. them when they were originally broadcast? I did, yeah. Now, not every episode. I tried to watch droids as much as possible because it did have a continuing story arc with, mm-hmm. with a number of the episodes. I think it was like four episodes for each arc or something like that. Uh, Ewoks I wasn't as into. Uh, Ewoks, even then, kind of smelled like Smurfs to mm-hmm. me. But it was Star Wars on TV. Again, I mean, the, the holiday special being the anomaly, you know, we, we, we didn't have any Star Wars on TV except for the special events where they would broadcast the movies. Mm-hmm. And then they also would do those special events where with the release of each movie in the theater, they would do some sort of hour-long um, movie monsters and Star Wars special effects, you know, and Mark Hamill would uh, host it. And so you, there was very little Star Wars on TV for me. Plus, we didn't have a VCR. We would rent the VCR from the library, and then again, special event. We would borrow, you know, from the library or rent from the v- video store the Star Wars movies. And then when we finally got a VCR, we'd try and tape it off TV, mm-hmm. you know, as quickly as you know. Oh, we, we found out about it. We got to get that tape, get that tape ready, you know. <laughs> and the label will be written out even you know a week before it's going to be on TV. But with these, I did um, watch them and tried to follow droids and Ewoks. I would watch, but not. Not as, uh, as as ardently or religiously, I guess. And you mentioned that it was Star Wars on TV. Did it feel like that at the time? Did it feel like this was a continuation or that this was the same experience just on a smaller scale? Ewoks did not. Okay. Ewoks did not at all. Well, let me revise a little bit because you did have those Ewoks TV movies, mm-hmm. Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor or whatever. And this felt like you know, the Ewoks cartoon in those movies – felt like one of a kind or, or of a piece together. But the droids cartoon kind of did. I mean, it had stormtroopers sometimes. It had, um, I think, Star Destroyers and, um, you know, A-Wing fighters and Boba mm-hmm. Fett. Mm-hmm. And then it also had, like, punk rock-looking protagonists as well. But, yeah, droids did feel like, yeah, I could see this being a part of that. I was confused about the timeline. And when we get into actually talking about the episodes that we're talking about today, those, those first episodes, mm-hmm. there was some timeline confusion for me with both Ewoks and with droids where I was trying to figure out how does this fit into or does it? Like is just this something completely different? You know, right. it's Ewoks in another universe or something, you know, a, a, a parallel timeline. I don't know. And so I did, I did, ha- I, I tried to figure out where, where does this fit in? And there was something in the droids cartoon that really threw me for a loop. And I forgot all about that until it was mentioned in the episode. And I was like, oh, I remember. And my son actually, he picked up on that because I watched, uh, I watched these with my kids. Mm-hmm. And my son was, he, he picked up on that line too. And it was like, oh, but no, this is supposed to be before the movies. 
Okay. But yeah, I, the question that I asked occurred to me because I, I think from my generation, mostly growing up after the movies, and I, I did not watch these cartoons when they originally aired. So I kind of came about at a generation where these cartoons and the holiday special were looked at with a great deal of, as you said, embarrassment mm-hmm. and scorn. And it's like, these aren't real Star Wars. Read the new books coming out, the new comics coming out. Those are the real Star Wars. That's what's canon. These these are stupid. These are for kids. They're lame. And it's sort of, I, I liken it to conversations that I've had recently about Batman and people who derided the old you know, Adam West, Batman 66 TV show, or the idea that Batman has a Robin. And people now kind of think that the Christopher Nolan version, if that's their version of Batman, then that's the only version they're allowed to have. And it's similar, I think, with Star Wars, that people just, they they won't tolerate some of these more kid-friendly or kind of like of a different era, these versions of Star Wars. And I think the quality might not always be great, but it can still be part of that shared experience. If you enjoy it, accept it. Um, yeah, yeah, and I and I'm one that believes that you don't need to fit every Star Wars story on the same bit of continuity. I certainly don't. Um, I can't either. I mean, right now, especially though, with the whole canon erasure and all that kind of junk or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm reading those Star Wars comics. It's its own canon. Yeah, yeah. it includes the movies, mm-hmm. which is nice. But I think part of that is I'm used to uh, Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have the movies and the TV shows. If it's on the screen, it's canon. And then you have these books. And the books might reference each other, and they will reference the movies. But if the movie does something different and completely knocks out a bit of storytelling or whatever, well, it's okay because the movie takes precedence. And so that's the same kind of thing for me here with Star Wars where I'm, I'm, I'm reading the comics. It's its own entity, and it's fun. You know, it's yes, absolutely. so much fun. And I think for the longest time, Star Wars and Lucasfilm – bent over backwards to avoid that feeling because mm-hmm. they they tried to lock everything onto one rigid timeline even when they had to compromise their own stories to do that and it's like no the prequels invalidated a lot of stuff that had been written in the books and the comics that were published before that and trying to like fit that all in one timeline you have to you have to sacrifice one or you can just accept that hey these are different these are a different timeline. These are a different world. Yeah, I, I agree. And the thing is, Star Wars, let's face it, for me anyway, I came into it when I was three and four. It was not necessarily a kiddie thing, but it was an all-ages thing. It was meant for family entertainment. Sure. Yeah. It, there were no uh, – I'm going to reference Gilligan's Island right now, but <laughs> Gilligan's Island, when they escape, the escape from Gilligan's Island, the, the two-hour movie where they ended up back – spoiler alert – they end up back on the island – but they are in modern day. They're in you know the the city, and uh, Ginger's trying to get her Hollywood career on track. And Gilligan and Skipper are visiting her, and she's like, "All the movies want me to do these things that I I can't do, and always say these things and all these four letter words and blah blah blah." And the producer comes in, and he's like, "Get back to work!" And Gilligan's like, "Why are you making her do this? You know, Star Wars, it doesn't have any four letter words." Mm-hmm. And, oh, hey, yeah, you're right. and. That's the thing is it was it was family entertainment. It was there was nothing objectionable. I mean, you could find things if you really really wanted to find something objectionable. If you're that type, you're going to find something, sure. But it was meant for families, and my family enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Now my my parents weren't like super into Star Wars, like they kind of made me become by taking me. But 
it worked and and it was fun and that's where I look at these cartoons and say, yeah, I mean the Ewoks, oh, yeah, Ewok cartoons. We'll get into that in short order. We are going to take a quick break, folks. Uh, we're going to play a promo for Ben's podcast, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Star Wars Ewoks. Guys, we finally developed our time machine. Should we use it to go back and see how Stonehenge was built? Or become friends with Hitler and convince him to stay in art school? Or we could go back in time and get the comic books we missed. Yeah! Yeah. The comic book time machine. A journey back in time to explore comic books. Good and bad. Whether from seven decades ago or seven days ago. Join our journey at comicbooktimemachine.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the irredeemable shag. We are the E E E E E Ewoks, where the spirits from the forest move. We are the E E E E E Ewoks, where the spirits from the forest move. We are brave, we are bold, like our storytellers told. That we're strong and we will fight and we'll stand up for our rights. We are the E E E E E Ewoks, where the spirits from the forest move. We are the E E E E E E walks where the spirits from the forest moon. Yes, we're at home on the ground and our highways in the trees. When we wanna fly up high, we just sail out on the breeze. We are the E E E E E E E walks. Yeah, we're one big happy family. We are the E E E E E E walks. One big happy happy family. We're back, and we are talking about Star Wars Ewoks. And the following is a blurb that I am taking directly from the Wikipedia entry. Star Wars Ewoks is an animated television series that follows the adventures of the Ewoks of Bright Tree Village prior to the Battle of Endor. The primary recurring villains are Morag, the Tulga Witch, and the Ewoks' rival species, the Dulocks. Produced by Nelvana on behalf of Lucasfilm Limited, Ewoks was broadcast on ABC from 1985 to 1986. The first season was advertised as simply Ewoks and was aired as part of the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour, whereas the second season was advertised as the all-new Ewoks. And I'm pretty sure that's when they got Wolverine and Colossus and Storm on the team. (laughs) Yeah, all-new has been around for a while, (laughs) We were dancing around it a little bit, and we're going to get into the uh, the pilot episode and our, our thoughts, but I don't think it's unfair to say that this one was definitely aimed at a younger audience. Honestly, like when I watched this, I was like, "This." you, you said it felt like Smurfs. To me, it felt like Care Bears or something like that, Muppet Babies, something kind of of that flavor. Yeah, and I also got a little bit of a Dark Crystal vibe, too, at mm-hmm. some point, and even Willow. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely see George Lucas's hand in it, and how like he would that would influence things like Willow. Yeah. My brother, who's seven years younger than me, and then my cousins, who were um, like five and seven years younger than me, they were really into this. <laughs> they liked it. They loved running around, saying, you know, beat you, wah wah, you know, and they would mm-hmm. say those little Ewok phrases uh, that were in the movie, you know, but that were really on display in the 
those two TV movies and, and, and the cartoon here. And, and so they, they enjoyed that. But yeah, like I said, uh, Smurfs is kind of my go-to with, you know, any kind of magical little creature out in the woods fighting a witch yeah. <laughs> or, or a wizard. But um, yeah, it just, it just feels, feels Smurfy. Now I did, we can talk about this later, but I did fast forward a little bit. I watched the first episode and the final episode. Okay. And there's some interesting things with that final episode, but okay. with this first episode, it, it doesn't feel very sophisticated for mm. sure. And the storytelling is very simplistic, very much, you know, listen to adults, but then <laughs> adults, you should listen to kids too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> parents don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's get into this. Um, Star Wars Ewoks season one, episode one entitled the cries of the trees. Originally aired Saturday, September 7th at 9 a.m. on ABC. And the first episode was written by Paul Dini. Yeah, That's wow. right. The showrunner of Batman the Animated Series, the creator of future <laughs> movie star Harley Quinn, was also the showrunner on Star Wars Ewoks. <laughs> I, I My brain couldn't comprehend that when I first read that. I was like, oh, that must be wrong. So. Well, I mean, but you can see it. I mean, this oh, is oh, absolutely. I shouldn't say you can see it in the episode, but you can see it in reality. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kind of progression. Yeah, there were actually there were a couple of familiar names from other like cartoons and even other Star Wars projects that were involved uh, on the writing teams for these two shows. Uh, the episode synopsis for the cries of the trees. The forest around Bright Tree Village is suffering from a drought when a group of young Ewoks, including Wicket, Knisa, Tebow, and Latara, encounter the Fire Folk, a race of tiny, luminescent fairies, basically. An evil witch named Morag manages to capture the queen of the Fire Folk and casts a magic spell that turns the fairy into a, a sort of a fiery sprite that burns whatever she touches. The curse then spreads to the other Fire Folk who set fire to the forest with their touch. Sensing the danger, Wicket and his friends convince the village elders, Chief Chirpa, and the shaman Logray of the danger. All the Ewoks of Bright Tree Village come together to stop the blaze before it destroys their homes, and their efforts are rewarded with the first rain of the season. So, pretty short synopsis, but again, kind of a simplistic cartoon. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Um, watching it now, a very similar reaction to, <laughs> to what I had with it, with it when I was 10. You know, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a little below my 10-year-old self. Yeah. And I, again, I watched it with my kids. And all five of them. So that's my 13-year-old and my four-year-old and then my three girls in between. And my four-year-old, he kind of liked it, but he kept wanting to see where are the Star Wars good guys. You know, where's Luke and and them? And my 13-year-old, he was just buried in his iPod. (laughs) Like, he's just like, whatever. And we, we laughed a little bit. There were some funny jokes. And I was, with this episode, it was a little bit more sophisticated than I remembered with some of like, there's the dream Mm-hmm. Where they're they're you know the, the trees are like reaching out to the people through their dreams and they share a dream and my daughters were like they knew exactly how the problem was going to be resolved because they did a good job of setting up um, Chekhov's uh, bags of liquid right, you know? right the drop the uh, begin- sack or whatever the game yeah. they're playing sack dropping or I don't know what it is, <laughs> but you know it's this game that they're not supposed to play the adults won't let them play mm-hmm. but then how do they save the day? Basically by playing the same game only this time with the special magical, you know, foam. fire fluid <laughs> foam. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's my 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 initial observation is just 
Yeah, I mean, it still is what it was, and it was a little over my four-year-old's head. He had a lot of questions about, well, is that little thing a good guy or a bad guy? Well, she just turned it into a bad guy. How did she turn it into a bad guy? You know, and then all of a sudden she's a good guy again. Is she good now? <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah, she's good. And and again, he was just waiting for robots and Luke Skywalker, and it wasn't coming. That's kind of where I was. And I didn't watch this show at the time, but I would have been the prime age for this show, probably. I, I mean, I was the right age when I watched Return of the Jedi. I thought the Ewoks were cute. I liked Wicket. I liked Paplu. I liked all of these characters. But I never thought that. I never wanted to see the Ewoks more than I wanted to see Luke and Leia and Han. I always preferred the heroes like over <laughs> over these. So I'm still kind of curious like that the target audience for the show must have been more fans of like Smurfs and and those kind of like magical fantasy shows rather than Star Wars. Yeah, and because I can't... the tie, I mean the ties of this thing to Star Wars it's almost a name only. Like the the character designs are even different. Like they don't look like they're on model. They even made a new set of toys for the show because they didn't look like they did in the movie. Yeah, and see, here's the thing. I can imagine what's happening is as George Lucas or whoever is sitting down with ABC executives, they're looking at Star Wars and trying to find out, okay, what can we take from Star Wars that fits into what we're already doing? And one thing you'll notice where droids is closer to Star Wars than this is, this lasted two seasons. Yeah. Droids did not. Right. And I don't know anything about the ratings back then or anything like that, but, I mean, that says that says volumes right there. Well, not only that, the first season for Ewoks was 13 episodes. The second season, I think, was 22. Maybe the fact that it wasn't so tied into this other franchise that by then was two or three years old maybe it did have more mass mainstream appeal because it, it was allowed to break free. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that, though, because <laughs> when we talk about that final episode, there's some interesting, interesting connections. Um, but, yeah, I did always wonder, and I hadn't seen that final episode until a couple days ago, and I did always wonder, does this happen after they met Luke Skywalker or before they met Luke Skywalker? That was my, my big question when I was 10. And the same with those Ewok TV movies. Mm-hmm. What, is this before or after? And then you see them, you know, they know what a spaceship is. Because if this happens before Luke Skywalker, Wilford Brimley had a spaceship down there. <laughs> and if it happened after Luke Skywalker, then why are, you know, they acting so surprised? And, you know, and bad guys had, had blasters as well. Okay, what's going on here? Yeah, according uh, to, like, the databases and everything, it's said before Star Wars, but... When they tried to put everything on the timeline, that might have been the easiest way to plug this. I don't know if they were even considering it. Well, let's go to final episode real quick then. Okay, go ahead. Final episode is proof positive that this is before the Battle of Endor. It has a Star Destroyer come to that area. And now there's this this weird kind of Mobius-looking villain who looks like he's from droids more than from Ewoks. And he's on the Star Destroyer. You have stormtroopers. You have a general... You have um, the Imperial shuttle that's bringing the Emperor to the Star Destroyer because they're going to steal this magical stone from the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, this villain, goes down. He steals a stone. Some of the Ewoks end up on his ship in the Star Destroyer and take him prisoner. And a little droid helps them escape. And it's totally like it's this backwater moon. And they're, they, 
they don't even want to be there. You know, the, the general, he's like, well, this is a stupid plan. And it's clearly like this is before the Battle of Endor. The emperor is alive uh-huh. and coming to talk to this evil bad guy to get that magic stone. So, yeah, this cartoon is clearly before Return of the Jedi. And I wish I would have seen that when I was a kid because that would have really just I would have been, oh, connections. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But it doesn't matter. You right. know, it's, <laughs> I wonder if they knew at that point that they weren't getting a third season, if basically the writing was on the wall and Paul Dini decided, you know what, let's make this kind of dovetail right into Return of the Jedi. Let's go for it. Yeah. And that's my guess. I, I don't know. You know, if I had, if I ever met Paul Dini, that wouldn't be the first question (laughs) that I would ask him, but it'd be one of the first questions maybe just because it's a little interesting side note in Star Wars history. Yeah. Other little side notes, according to my research, um, the first episode of Ewoks was the first time they revealed Wicket's full name, Wicket W. Warwick. I've never understood why he had <laughs> a full name. Like, why does he have a first middle initial and a last name? Like, w- did he have to register for something? Like, after, like, did Leia take him away after Return of the Jedi? And did he need to get, like, a social security card? Like, why does he have a full name? I don't know, because everyone else is just like low gray. Yeah. Chirpa. Te- yeah. Tebow. Paplu. Yeah. It's 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 cute that they gave him the Warwick. The mm-hmm. Warwick. I always say that wrong. The the Warwick. Warwick is someone else, but Well Warwick um, Davis was the actor who played him. Yeah. So it's it, it's a little it's bit good of a they give you that little connection there. Yeah. And, I don't remember because I've only seen a couple episodes from the first season, but it, it does seem like there was this running subplot that this evil witch named Morag has this backstory with Low Gray. Did, like, was he her slave at one point, or were they working together at one point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched the whole series, uh, and I, I don't know if I'm going to. Yeah, <laughs> um, if you haven't by this point, I don't know. If yeah, that, that last episode, I was glad that I went ahead, because I'd heard that, I had actually heard that, that it ends with a Star Destroyer over the planet, mm-hmm. you know, over, over Endor, and the idea is they're coming, you know, and it's not quite that ominous, but it's close enough for the connection. So, yeah, I don't know about their their backstory. I do remember that, you know, she was like the Gargamel kind of character. And there's also some connection with the the Dulag or Dulox or whatever, mm-hmm. that they're kind of like cousin creatures to the Ewoks or something like that, where they're, they've got some sort of common ancestry or something. I, I don't know. That might be my mind remembering things for me that didn't actually happen. And I like that they were, you know, they are doing a little bit of universe building here. You know, they have the little ceremony, like the hood ceremony or whatever, where they're getting hoods and stuff like that. And, you know, so they're they're expanding the universe, but they're expanding it for the Ewoks, man. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but then again, maybe the the big connection here, and I'm trying to remember the, the timing with the Ewok TV movies. The two movies would have come out just before the, the cartoon, probably. And so that is another tie-in that would make sense. Why are they making a cartoon about these guys? Well, we've got these two TV movies. And those TV movies, they got play. At least I, I remember them getting play as, as rerun movies on, like, Saturday afternoons. And, and so they weren't just, like, for, it was a Sunday night event. And believe me you, <laughs> when we were done with church Sunday night, we had to all get in the car. Dad was not going to talk and have coffee. <laughs> with any of his friends because we were going to get home and see that Star Wars TV movie. 
and and so this definitely you know fits into that what they're setting up there with let's let's make some war you know Ewok movies. We've got the costumes, we've got the actors, we've we've got the sets. Not we're going to use them all, but let's 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 run with it. All right, folks, we're going to take another quick little break. Uh, when we come back, Star Wars droids. Here at Quarks, customer satisfaction is our primary concern. I'd say we just found our way into a wormhole. I'm Kira Norris. Lieutenant Commander Worf reporting for duty, sir. You're the best crew any captain ever had. This may be the last time we're all together. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. Starfleet, one of our most important posts. It is quite simply, Commander, the journey you have always been destined to take. Sensors are not functioning. We've lost all contact with the space station. What the hell is happening out there? Shields up. Damage report. Balance stations. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine Two True Freaks presentation with Sean Engel and Andrew Layla. And now with 100% more Paul Spataro. Once again, the irredeemable shag. Once again, cribbed directly from the Wikipedia, Star Wars Droids, The Adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO is an animated television series that features the exploits of the droids C-3PO and R2-D2, who, over the course of their adventures, often find themselves in the company of new masters and in dangerous and difficult situations as a result. Now, this series uh, notably brought back Anthony Daniels to voice C-3PO, and he has said, he has gone on record, that he didn't want to do it initially. He was convinced only after Lucasfilm assured him that the animation would be top-notch and the quality of the show would be better than other animated programs of the time. Like Ewoks. Yeah, like Ewoks. <laughs> Transformers was coming out at the same time. G.I. Joe was coming out at the same time. I think Thundercats was a year after this, maybe? And the animation on those, I've always thought, looked a lot better than droids. I definitely think droids was of a more sophisticated writing style. And this was probably for a slightly older age group. Still very kid-friendly, still age-appropriate. But Mm -hmm. this felt like it was targeted more for boys who want to go on a grand adventure. Yes, absolutely. This was hitting my sci-fi adventure Mm -hmm. itch. And doing it fairly decently, too. 
Now, this also brought back, you said it brought back Anthony Daniels, but if you watch the credits, it brings back R2-D2 as himself. <laughs> That's right. Like, wow. That's right. They did use, they used the exact same R2-D2 effects. <laughs> and good. Brett Burt, is I, um, I name right? Brett Burt, the sound guy. Ben Burt. Ben Burt. Ben Burt. How could I not remember his name? <laughs> ben. <laughs> what in the world? Um, but yeah, he, he was involved. Mm-hmm. And I think he was even involved in, in writing some of those episodes. Yeah, um, I think you're right. And so he, yeah, he was a part of it. And so they are bringing back, you know, not just produced by George Lucas or whatever, but these are some people with Star Wars pedigree mm-hmm. between Ben Burt, C-3PO, and R2-D2. I think Although one of ben the other, really is R2-D2. Yeah. So. I think one of the other writers on the show was Michael Reeves, who ended up writing a couple of novels for Star Wars in the like the mid to late 2000s. And I think actually, I think he worked on. He might have worked on the Clone Wars too. So yeah, this is definitely not as sophisticated as say the Clone Wars or or Rebels, you know. But it was more serialized, you know, kind of like that. I mean, for me, I'm trying to remember if, the, if Robotech was after this for me. Probably, it probably was. But um, this was kind of a. I, I liked that it was serialized. It wasn't to be continued necessarily, but you follow this one cast of characters, and then oh, R2D2 and C3PO are you know separated from that master, and now they're off with another one. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of kind of cool too. And on the DVD release, they did a DVD release of the Ewoks and Droids, where they did the same kind of thing, where they put together a series of episodes into what would be like a feature length cartoon. With Ewoks, it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's it's like taking five Smurfs cartoons and just saying, well, they're all the same Smurfs. So here's a movie. With this, it actually makes sense. I mean, there's actually an end goal for some of these, where they're trying to get a deposed prince back into you know the throne and. They find out about him in the beginning, and then the, he's on the throne at the end of these you know, four episodes in a row, this arc. And I really like that kind of storytelling. Yeah, me too. And I think this show felt more like Star Wars. We had the familiar C-3PO and R2-D2, but even the other characters that they brought in, Thal Jobin and George Dusat or whatever their names were, you could recognize them. They weren't quite Luke Skywalker, but they weren't that different. They were young men on this kind of backwoods desert world. Yep. They like yep. to race their speeder really fast. They like to challenge each other. And they get embroiled in this adventure with this rebel agent, this woman with this weird skunk haircut. Um, <laughs> they're, they're fighting a gangster who's trying to like up his product with like this droid army. It just it felt of that world. I could see this being part of Star Wars. Like, whether it was before or after the movies. Like, if they just... 3PO and R2 got separated at some point after Return of the Jedi, I could see them falling into the same type of adventure scenario. Yeah. And this is where it was a little confusing at first, especially this first episode. Mm -hmm. Not a lot to do with the Empire. You know, and so this first episode didn't give you a lot of context. But then, all of a sudden, and I I can never... These guys, I don't know any of these names. You know, these these names are not memorable. I looked them up. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, the the younger guy, the, the thin guy, I guess. With the red sort With, of half-shaved, half-mohawk, half-mullet thing? Yeah, yeah. It really is kind of, you know, pick a lane, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do the mullet and the mohawk at the same time. I guess, I guess you can. I, if you really want to get down to it, you can. But he reaches in his speeder and pulls out a lightsaber. Yeah. Oh, cool, lightsaber. But then, and this is where it was a thing when I was a kid. It just confused me. And then when my son, you know, when we heard it, it was him too. And he he says, uh, you know, oh, yeah, someone brought their speeder in for me to repair. 
and a Jedi brought his speeder in for me to repair, and he never came back, and he left this in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, oh, wait. But Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't leave. Like, is he talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker? Did they accidentally have like a third lightsaber that they <laughs> left there? And it really threw me because it sounds like they're referencing something from the movies. It right. sounds like they sold their speeder in that first movie. And I, I'm trying to figure out what is this? And and then my, my son, did, when we watched it a couple of days ago, he says, that is like the stupidest Jedi ever. <laughs> Jedi drops off his land speeder and then leaves his lightsaber in it accidentally. Like, that's why he never came back. He went off to go fight someone and got killed because he left his lightsaber back in his land speeder. Darth Vader and the stormtroopers came a knocking and he was like, uh, can you, can oh, you come back shoot. tomorrow? It's in the glove compartment. <laughs> I left it in my car. Oh. He's reaching for his belt and he's like, um... Oh, this is awkward. <clears throat> Let's actually, uh, let me do the quick little synopsis from that first episode that we've been talking about. Uh, episode one, because it only got one season, was called The White Witch. It originally aired Saturday, September 7th, 1985 at 9.30 a.m. on ABC. And it was written by Peter Sauter, Sauter. After being jettisoned over the deserts of Ingo by an unscrupulous former master, C-3PO and R2-D2 are taken in by a land speeder racers, George Dusat and Thal Jobin. When they accidentally discover the location of the Trigon-1, a secret weapon created by the criminal Fromm gang, Jord is kidnapped by Tig Fromm in order to silence him. Joined by rebel spy Kia Mal, the droids assist Fowl in rescuing Jord from Fromm's secret base, destroying much of Fromm's droid army in the process. Crazy, unmemorable names aside, <laughs> it's a fun story. It's cool. I, I wish the characters had maybe been designed a little bit different, a little bit less 80s interpretation of science fiction. But yeah. that aside, I, I liked this episode. I, I got to the end of this one. I, I've been watching them on YouTube over like the last year or so. And as soon as I finished this one, I was like, oh, I got to watch what comes next. Yeah, it, it catches you. And I think this is where it's closer to that right impulse that we'd be looking for. Mm-hmm. Like if you're thinking, let's do a Star Wars cartoon – this is much closer. If they're not going to give me Luke Skywalker, if they're not going to give me Han Solo, if they're not going to give me the adventures of those heroes that I really love, then, yeah, give me familiar characters and give me other heroes who are close to the archetype. Right. And I think I, I've mentioned this on, on another episode, but I think Star Wars, that idea of rebellion versus order – it's about youth, and I think your heroes need to be young, they need to be impulsive, and they need to be coming from a place of of powerlessness and disadvantage. Uh, and I think that's that's why everybody connected with Luke when you first see him staring off into the fading sons of Tatooine. And he just, yeah, he's a kid who wants to get off the farm and go like into the big city and do do something with his life. Make and, a difference, yeah. And everybody responds to that. And I think you you need that kind of pull in your main characters. And I think for the most part, you could see that with these these two guys, these two speeder racers. I mean, you at least they, there was something close enough there that you could see where they were. If they weren't Luke, mm-hmm. they could have been Luke's buddies. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I could see him hanging out with those guys. You know, now it's not Tatooine, uh, right. which is another thing that kind of throws me because it looks like Tatooine. It does. It's a desert yeah. planet. Then again, we're getting an, in the new movie. We're getting another one that looks yeah. like Tatooine, but isn't. But that's what caused me to okay. Is, are they talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi leaving his lightsaber? You know, and again, trying to figure out where does this fit in? And finally I figured out, oh, these are all early masters. Mm-hmm. These are all masters leading up to uh, our guys. Because in a later episode, we find out Boba Fett, you know, he's around. But speaking about Boba Fett, I mean, that's the one thing here that's kind of a, a cool connection for me is I remember watching the holiday special. Mm-hmm. And I remember the cartoon with Boba Fett. And this series, it's the same production company, did that cartoon back in, what, 78 or whatever it was. And it's the same production company using a lot of the same designs or at least design styles in animation style. There's this kind of fluid, bendy animation to it where R2-D2, to have more emotion, has, you know, he's not solid. Right. He bends and moves with, 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 with speed and whenever there's any kind of speed to his movement, you know, he'll bounce back and forth a little bit when he comes to a stop. And the human characters tend to be more realistically rendered as far as their movement. But then C-3PO gets this weird, his eyeballs or pupils or whatever, and blinks. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little weird. And depending depending on the angle or how they drew it, sometimes that little divot like a nose came off like a mustache, like this little (laughs) pencil-thin... Yeah. I don't want to say Hitler-esque mustache, but that's that's it was a weird look for him sometimes. Well, and also um, kind of a flat face, too. Yeah, yeah. But he, but he also had a lot of that bendy quality that you could see mm-hmm. in scenes where his his locomotion was a little bit more than Anthony Daniels ever had in that suit. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of connects back to really the only good thing that people remember about the holiday special, which – is that premiere of Boba Fett in, in that cartoon that was you know stitched in in between the segments of the the Wookiee family, <laughs> and and this definitely is is that world you know and so this this ties into that feel of of that early cartoon and, and it did for me when I first saw this you know I remember feeling like I've seen this before I've seen and it, it took a little while to jog my memory to oh wait this is just like that cartoon from when I was really little. Yeah. I mean, I wish these shows would have been more successful, not just because I'm a Star Wars fan and I wish there would have been more <laughs> of them, but I think strangely like Star Wars as a as a genre, as a property, I think lend it should lend itself to animation very well mm-hmm. because of I mean, you can only make the movies so much because of how expensive they are and how technically they need to be. But with animation, you're not you're not bound by those restrictions. You could take characters that aren't human, and you can put them on all sorts of weird, far flung environments. And that's what these these tended to do. But they could have gone even further. And it, it's crazy that there was like twenty twenty five years between Star Wars cartoons, between when these shows ended and the Clone Wars started. It was like this weird time. I I think maybe just the failure of these kind of George Lucas shut it down and didn't want to explore this realm anymore. He just didn't think it was viable. Maybe the company didn't think it. Maybe they just thought Star Wars needed to go away for a decade. But I don't know. And that's kind of what happened here. I mean, these were a little bit of that last hurrah, I mm-hmm. think, with Star Wars, where after this, you kind of got into that period where there weren't the books. Uh, what 1986, so a year 
or so after this right. um, is when the Star Wars comic, the, the Marvel comic, mm-hmm. 107 came out, the final issue of the comic book. And then after that, what was there? You right. know, not much. Nothing until the early 90s, like 92, yeah. 93. I kind of thought that just using fringe characters like C-3PO and R2-D2 and the Ewoks would allow them the ability to kind of tell any kind of story and go in any direction. But maybe that was kind of what doomed it from the beginning. Like if if Lucas at that time had known that he wasn't going to make any more movies after that point, then maybe he would have freed up the main characters. Maybe he would have done a Star Wars cartoon with Luke and Leia and Han and Lando and Chewie, and you would have gotten the further adventures post-Return of the Jedi. And then maybe the show would have been much more successful, even as a cartoon. It might have been... Uh, like a, a G.I. Joe or Transformers level success that went on for, you know, three or four years. And here's the thing. I mean, f- after this, you know, the, the movies stayed in rotation, you know, and they never went away for me and my friends, you know, into high school, into college. Now, high school, I graduated high school in 92, which was right around that time when that first uh, Timothy Zahn novel came out, I think. Yeah. And I couldn't get into the the that that trilogy of, of novels i wanted to so bad i did not like it very much but the movies never faded for me um the cartoons they just weren't available you know and i wonder if, if they had been available you know what would have been different they, they did some vhs releases and they did some like i said those dvd releases but yeah but they weren't like complete series like you said it was just like let's take three or four episodes and you know package them together I don't think they've done a complete season or a complete series. No, no, not that I, not that I've ever come across. I mean, I'm sure you can find bootlegs at conventions or something, but yeah, if it exists, it's available in bootleg. I think. Right. Any last thoughts on Star Wars droids or Star Wars Ewoks? My last thoughts on Star Wars droids is I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it as an adult. You know, um, like you were saying, that's the kind of thing where I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, this is actually kind of fun. We were. We were laughing. My my thirteen year old got far more into it than Ewoks. <laughs> uh, and my my four year old, he just kept waiting. Again, he wanted to see more of the good guys. Yeah. But R two D two and C three PO were there, and so he was he was happy, and he didn't understand everything that was going on because it is a little more complicated, a little more sophisticated. But and that might have been why. It, you know, again, this one only lasted, I think. 16 episodes or something like that but yeah he it's more it was more sophisticated but then ewoks got renewed and and mm-hmm. droids not. so i don't i don't want to discount what it is and like what is still available and the work that went into that show like but i could see that being updated fairly easily i could see if that was given kind of a polish with a, a more modern animation sensibility uh, I don't, I don't know. I wish I got a little bit more from it. I wish it didn't feel quite as dated as it does in some parts, but it surprised me. Like when I started watching it, I was like, you know what? Th- these are, these are fun adventures. I want to know a little bit more about these characters and, and I could see this being the further Star Wars, you know, universe. If, if we, if we spent a little bit more time developing these guys, I, I would dig it, and the, and I think part of it was that through line of familiar faces with the droids, familiar ships, um, familiar sounds, familiar enemies. 
it had enough to make me feel like, yeah, I would, I, I put that in my Star Wars canon. It definitely is a product of its time. Mm-hmm. It feels like a cartoon from the mid eighties. Yeah, the, the style, the, the opening credits does not feel like Star Wars. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, what Stuart, uh, what's his name from the police, and he, he wrote it and sung it, but he's kind of oh okay. That's where they're going with this kind of a real low key Paul McCartney type song. Okay. Well, the only it, version of the song that we care about is the one that Irredeemable Shag sings. So. Yes, yes, that is that is now the uh, my canon the official version of the droids. But this had Star Wars in the title that goes went a long way with me as a kid. And while it's a product of the time, it's something slightly. I think more sophisticated. I don't want to keep using that word, but I'm, I'm going to, I guess, because it's the best word to use uh, than the other shows that were on. I was 10, you know, and I wanted, I wanted cool stuff. I wanted neat stuff. I wanted to be able to dig into it and, and get adventure. But then, Oh, it's kind of a continuing story. And, uh, Oh, it's, it's not just magical creatures doing fun, lovable things. There's gangsters and there's intrigue. Mm. And there's still not a lot of violence that you see on screen, but there's more action, and it just it just hit me at the right time. I didn't see every every single episode. It was hard for me, you know, to to make it an appointment television kind of thing when you know playing flag football or, or what. You know, these days you can you can miss an episode because it's going to be online right. in, in a day. You know, right? <laughs> it's officially be online in a day. Unofficially be online in an hour. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I, I enjoyed it. I really liked uh, droids when I was a kid, and I really liked it now. I haven't heard anything, but it is the 30th anniversary. Maybe maybe they'll finally do some official release or do some kind of cross-promotional effect. Uh, maybe it'll be limited to this podcast, but I think we did a good <laughs> service by talking about it for an hour. So. At, at the least. <laughs> at least Lucasfilm, Disney, put it on Netflix. Yeah, there you go. You got Clone Wars on Netflix. This isn't – I'm not asking for much. Absolutely. Stop hiding from it. It's your history. (laughs) Okay, Ben, where can people find you if they want to hear more about your thoughts about Star Wars or comics or really whatever? Well, if you want to hear more about – a couple different places. Uh, If you want to hear more about my thoughts about Star Wars and the comics with Star Wars – um, there is Comic Book Time Machine. And with Comic Book Time Machine, I am doing a read-through right now of the Marvel-licensed sci-fi comics during the time of Star Wars. And so I, I'm reading month by month. The first episode I did was was some things leading up to the first the premiere issue of, of Star Wars with Jack Kirby's 2001 and some of those kind of things. But um, that's the big Star Wars theme that's running through our comic book time machine. We talk about lots of different things, lots of different comics, uh, you know, Superman, Spider-Man. It's me and two other guys, Daniel and, and Matt. And we have a lot of fun. Sometimes we do episodes together. Sometimes we do episodes apart. But that's, that's Comic Book Time Machine. Uh, I also have a podcast called Strangers and Aliens. And that's a podcast where we talk about science fiction and fantasy. And, but we're doing it as, uh, uh, as Christians and looking at it as um, you know, what, what, are, what are some things we can pull out of you know, moral ideas or, or philosophical ideas or theological ideas or just what's good and what's stupid. Like Fantastic Four. I did, just did an episode called Four Fantastic Movies to Watch Instead of Fantastic Four. <laughs> um, and then there's Welcome to Level 7, which is a podcast I do weekly about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we're just wrapping up our Daredevil coverage. 
and we've got then season three of, of Agents of Shield coming up, and that's that's a lot of fun, and and that's uh, like I said, a weekly podcast, sometimes more than weekly if there's a movie or something that that comes up. But we cover the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe with that. Cool. So those are my three podcasts, and they're all at the strangelyinis.com, comicbooktimemachine.com, and welcomeallthe7.com. The name is the the place. Awesome. Well, Ben, it was great to have you on Dead Boff and Spies. Uh, thank you for celebrating the 30th anniversary of Droids and Ewoks with me. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, Droids and Ewoks. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. You wouldn't want my life to get boring, would you? As we said, these animated series are not currently available on DVD or Blu-ray, nor are they available on any major streaming service that I know of. However, you can view them on YouTube. If you search for Star Wars Droids, the complete remastered series, a user named Thal Jobin, named after the new human hero of the show, has made a playlist of the episodes. The same user did the same thing for the Ewoks show. Just search for Ewoks, the complete remastered series. And that is all for this special episode of Dead Bath and Spies. I want to thank Ben Avery one more time for appearing on the show, and as Ben said... Happy birthday, droids and Ewoks. Feedback for the show can be left at the blog page at deadbothandspies.blogspot.com or the Facebook page at facebook.com backslash deadbothandspies. You can also leave a review on iTunes, and you can track me down on Twitter at ryandaily01 or the username Count Druncula. Dead Bath and Spies is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company, and the views expressed on the show belong solely to the speaker. All music, audio clips, and quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and are believed covered under fair use. And since I make no money off this podcast, no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening. And as a special gift to you, my wonderful listeners, here now is the stripped-down versions of the Irredeemable Shag singing the themes to Ewoks and droids. Save this audio and make a ringtone or something. We are the E-E-E-E-E-Ewoks, we're the spirits from the forest moon. We are the E-E-E-E-E-Ewoks, we're the spirits from the forest moon. We are brave, we are bold, like our storytellers told, that we're strong and we will fight and we'll stand up for our rights. We are the E-E-E-E-E-Ewoks, we're the spirits from the forest moon. We are the e e e e e e walks with the spirits from the forest moon. Yes, we're at home on the ground and our highways in the trees. When we wanna fly up high, we just sail out on the breeze. We are the e e e e e e e walks. Yeah, we're one big happy family. We are the e e e e e e walks. One big happy happy family. Stepping softly in a danger zone. No weapon in my hand. It's just a brain designed by man. It's got me in trouble again. In trouble again. I put my life in jeopardy in the surface of my friends. I wouldn't care. 
but it's a dangerous affair. I'm in trouble again. In trouble again. In trouble. In trouble.